Turn with me tonight in your Bible to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Let's hear the word of the Lord. <coughs> Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbour next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a meal of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. 
Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 15. Now I would like you to turn with me to a secondary passage, and I invite you to turn to um, 1 Corinthians this time. 1 Corinthians, and we're at chapter 5. And we're going to break into the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read from the verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. Let's hear the word of the Lord in the New Testament. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading also of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is really taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 12 and verse 13. And it reads as follows. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And I want to link up Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13 with the words found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 where it says, For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And that's really my theme tonight. I want us to think how Christ our Passover lamb is sacrificed for us. So I'm not really dealing with the uh, reasons of why we object to the Pope's visit. We, we'll probably wait to near the time until he eventually, if he does, come to the Republic of Ireland and we'll preach on that subject then. Some of you might be relieved, maybe you're not. But, but the material will keep. But tonight I just want to think of Christ, our Passover lamb, sacrificed for us. You see, Exodus chapter 12 records the historical account of the original Passover as instituted by God in which he instructed the children of Israel to select the lamb out of the flock, separate that lamb for about four days, then slay the lamb, sprinkle its blood on the doorposts of their houses, on the two side posts and the lintel, and then they were to roast the lamb for supper. They were to eat it dressed for a pilgrimage. And they were told why. If you look with me at verse 11, it says, And thus shall ye eat of it, with your loins girded, your shoes and your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now Exodus chapter 12 is very, very rich, I believe, with spiritual analogy. And the details 
and the events surrounding this original Passover as instituted by God all point forward to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. If you link up Exodus chapter 12 and the words found in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Again, we're given a glimpse into the theme of Christ in all the scriptures. Once more, we have opportunity here to see Christ in the riches of the beauty of his person and work. We're seeing one who is, in essence, altogether lovely. I ask tonight this question, whose blood does the Almighty look for in this night in Egypt, in this night of the Lord's Passover, in this night of the tenth plague, when there was the danger of the death of the firstborn, whose blood does the Almighty look for to protect the occupants in a house? And here's the answer, the blood of the Lamb. And we have to say tonight, as regards the gift of salvation, and those that are possessors of eternal life. Whose blood does the Lord look for to mark your life, to single you out and set you apart? Here's the answer. The blood of the Lamb. I want us to think tonight of a number of things about the Passover Lamb. I want you to think firstly of the blood of a special Lamb. If you look with me at chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. I wonder how many lambs were in Egypt that night. I wonder how many lambs were actually Slain. Yet isn't it interesting that the Bible talk doesn't talk about lambs, plural, but it always talks about lamb in the singular. You see, this lamb was especially chosen by divine appointment. The lamb was special because it was chosen by divine appointment. And as I've already said, this Passover lamb points to Christ. Think about this. The very first time that Christ is identified in his official capacity as Messiah, as God's anointed prophet, priest, and king, remember John the Baptist at the very start of his ministry identified him, and how did he do it? What was the title that he used? John 1 verse 29 Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The next day, the very next day, in fact, he used the title again. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, the word behold is stronger than the word look. I have to tell you this morning, uh, I mentioned the authorized version, and I mention it again tonight, because the authorized version has the word behold. And of course, that's different from the word look. 
the word behold means to, to gaze upon, to, 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 to see in such a way that it impacts upon your heart and mind and gives you understanding. Because Christ is identified in his person, who is the promised Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. He's identified in his work. But what's he come to do? Which taketh away the sin of the world. Remember the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How was he going to do that? He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to deal with the problem of human sinfulness. And you see in the book of Revelation especially you find Christ identified as a lamb having been slain. Revelation 5 and 6 in the midst of the throne and four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. In chapter 5 and verse 8 the elders fell down before the lamb. It's the lamb who takes the scrolls and opens the seals thereof. It's the wrath of the lamb that's feared by an unbelieving world. Revelation 6 and 16. It's the blood of the lamb that enables the saints to wash their robes so that they are spotlessly white in the sight of God. It's the same blood that enables saints to overcome the accuser of the brethren. How did they overcome? They overcame by the blood of the lamb. Think about the marriage supper of the lamb. To celebrate it at the very end of time. Think about the song of Moses and of the Lamb that sung in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation 5 and 2. Think of the book of life. The names of those who are saved. What's it referred to? It's referred to as the Lamb's book of life. You see, as we come to think about Easter. I, I want you to remember there's a link between Easter and the Passover. Because the celebration of the Passover is akin to the celebration of Easter. And, and what's it all about? It's to remember and ponder Christ, the special Lamb of God. And there's a sense when we open our Bible, when we read from the Scriptures, when we engage in worship, when we offer prayer, our aim, our object should be to behold the Lamb. The Lord's glory is revealed. As the lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. Let's behold the lamb. Let's think about the lamb. Let's ponder the lamb. It's the blood of a special lamb. I want you to think also it's the blood of a separated lamb. Because they, they, they were told here um, in Exodus chapter 12. It, 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 they were told... Um, in verse 3 in the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house they were told ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month you see the children of Israel were given very specific instructions choose a lamb on the tenth day and keep it until the 14th day. Now, the 10 in the Bible, of course, is the number of law, the number of government, the number of order. Think of the 10 commandments, for example. 14 is the number of double perfection. And here's a four-day period 
which this lamb was to be separated from the rest of the flock. You think of our Lord Jesus Christ whenever he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and they cried, Hosanna is the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And he spent four days in and around Jerusalem. Back and forward to Bethany. You think of the Lord Jesus coming into the world, separating himself from the bosom of the Father, separating himself from the worship of the holy angels, the seraphims and the cherubims, and come into a world like ours for a period of time to be the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. It's the blood of a separated Lamb. I want you to think something else. It's the blood of a scrutinized Lamb. It says in verse 5 of Exodus 12, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Isn't Christ called the sinless, spotless Son of God? You think of Christ, the Lamb of God, tonight as the spotless, sinless, faultless, flawless, stainless, crimeless Lamb of God. This lamb was to be inspected examined, scrutinized. Who was to do that? The answer is the Father. Your lamb shall be without blemish. In other words, the lamb had to be examined. And it was the Father's responsibility to do the examination or the inspecting or the scrutinization. God the Father in a merciful way didn't expect perfection of us the Bible tells us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but even though he didn't expect perfection of us he expected perfection of his lamb his lamb was to be without blemish sinless, faultless, flawless, stainless, crimeless you think of the early earthly life of Christ you think of those that looked at him, and inspected him, examined him, scrutinized him. Think of Herod. Think of Pilate. What does his testimony? I find no fault in him. Think of Pilate's wife. Had nothing to do with that just man. Think of Judas Iscariot. After he, or just before he committed suicide, he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. You see, many examine Christ with this thought to find fault with him in his messages, in his miracles. Annas, Caiaphas, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But you know what? They found none. Christ even said himself, the prince of this world cometh and of nothing in me. And you think of God the Father tonight. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17. Matthew 17. John 12. Three times. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in the Mount of Transfiguration, he added the words, Hear ye him. It's written in the book of Isaiah of Christ. God says, Mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. The Lord Jesus said, I do always those things that please the Father. And you see, this ties into the sinlessness of Christ. He did no sin, he knew no sin. In him was no sin. And, and the Father seen perfection in him. The Father seen a, a robe of spotless righteousness in him. He, he kept the law of God perfectly. He, he earned that righteousness. 
He paid the penalty, of course, that sin demanded to the broken law. It was the blood of a scrutinised lamb. I want you to think of something else. It was the blood of a slain lamb. On the 14th day, it says in verse 6, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses. Now we'll pause there. On a certain day, the life of the lamb was to be taken. The blood was to be caught in a basin. And then the blood was to be applied. The lamb had to die. It wasn't enough to be special. It wasn't enough to be separated. It wasn't enough to be scrutinized. The lamb had to be slain. And it was special. It was separated. It was scrutinized. All to be slain and put to death. Now you tie that into Christ, the lamb of God. The Paschal Lamb, or the Passover Lamb. Think of the death of the Lord Jesus. We're going to be thinking of that on Good Friday. His death by crucifixion. Think of the words, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The death of Christ is an historical fact. As I've said, we'll remember that on Good Friday. I'm not saying it's the actual date. I'm not saying it's the actual anniversary the time of the year, but, but at least there's a day in the year when it helps us to commemorate the event. What event? The death of the Lamb of God. Let's think about it. Let's ponder what has happened. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Peter says, who bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And if you think of Romans chapter um, 5 and verses 6 to 8, it, it, it tells us there a, a, a tremendous uh, truth. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Think of our condition without strength. That means we had no ability to save ourselves. We, we had nothing to offer to God. We were powerless. The ungodly. That means not only were we without God, but we had an anti-God spirit and mindset. It says in verse 8, But God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for sinners who had broken the law. For that's what sin is. Sin's the transgression of the law. And then if you think of verse 10, For if when we were enemies, there's the fourfold picture. And, and you know, when, when we think about Christ and the cross, we, we realize who died. The Son of God. Call him the Lamb of God. When? 2,000 years ago. The way, death by crucifixion, the horrible, painful death. Where? Outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Why? <coughs> to be our substitute, sin bearer, sin offering, sacrifice, savior. <coughs> the blood of a slain lamb. I want you to think of the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Because the lamb, when it was put to death, the blood was caught in a basin, and then the blood was applied to the posts and the lintel of the door by faith. 
Now that was for a very specific purpose. The Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Do, do you understand tonight what that really means? The Lord was to see the blood. And the Lord was to stand before the blood. And the Lord was really saying, I'll stand here to guard that door. There'll be no judgment enter here. There'll be no punishment of death enter here. There'll be no death of the firstborn. Remember, this was the tenth plague in Egypt. Pharaoh had hardened his heart all through the other plagues. He would not let the children of Israel go. And this was the final plague. And it involved the slaying of the firstborn. But it also involved the saving of the firstborn. Because the firstborn was sheltered and protected under the blood. And the Lord saw the blood. But the Lord stood as a bodyguard at the door. You see, the Passover lamb preaches a message of faith to us. The Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Salvation, remember, must be personally appropriated. Do you know, it's not enough to have an initial dependence on the blood. Maybe we should sing that hymn tonight, I'm depending on the blood. But you know what, the true Christian never stops depending on the blood. He depends on the blood initially for cleansing and salvation. But day by day, he's still depending on the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, cleanseth us from all sin. The blood in the door. God sees the blood. God stops before the blood. God stands before the blood. And God saves us by the blood. Now, now think of this. The children of Israel. Let's home in on one family. The blood of a special lamb. The lamb's been separated. The lamb's been slain. The blood's in the basin. But they carry it inside. They sit down to eat. The blood's not applied. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. No matter who they are. The most wealthiest or the best educated. Or the poorest of the poor. Even the rulers and the leaders. If that blood was not applied to the doorposts and the lintel. There would be the death of the firstborn. Despite the lamb being special and selected and slain, it would not have done any of the children any good to hear those instructions and fail to appropriate the blood by faith. Aren't there thousands tonight in our province involved in religious exercise, trying to please and serve God, but not under the application of the blood? Suppose a father say, well, you know, son, God wants me to slay this lamb and put the blood in the basin and apply the blood. And I think that's a kind of slaughterhouse religion. That's cruel to the wee pet lamb, son. I'm not going to kill the lamb. I'm not going to uh, apply the blood. But I'll tell you what we'll do, son. I've got a great idea. I'll put some red paint in the door. That'll be great. Everybody else will see it and they'll think we're okay. That's deception, wouldn't it? What would happen? Judgment would fall. 
the death of the firstborn would come about. You see, you could fool people. You could fool your neighbours. But you certainly couldn't deceive God. How many tonight look like a believer? They talk like a believer. They claim that they were dedicated to God as a child. Maybe confirmed. Maybe catechized. They, they give money to charity. If they're in a shop and they see a box there for cancer, they put something in. If they see a beggar in the street, they would give them something or, or buy him something to eat. If somebody's at the traffic lights and there's lifting money for cancer, and they, they might put something in. And that's all good and commendable. But that's all seen in the eyes of God as red paint. That's a substitute for the blood of the Lamb. And let me tell you this, there had to be a public application of that blood. It was on the outside of the door. It was seen. It was spoken about. It was sung. God stood before the blood. And that's the central message of the Bible. I would encourage you, make much of the blood. Because it's the blood of a substituted sacrificial lamb. Let's not hide our witness. Let's not be guilty of deception. Let's not substitute red paint for the actual blood. Let's not be secret disciples. One final thought. I want you to think of the blood of a satisfying lamb. If you look with me at verse 7, it says at the latter part of the verse, wherein they shall eat it. Now you look at verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Look at verse 9. Eat none of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with the legs and the pertinence thereof. Here was the lamb to be eaten. Notice the instructions how to cook it. How were they to cook it? Roast with fire. It mentions that twice. Roast with fire. That, that, that speaks of the fact that the lamb was to be a burnt offering. It was not to be raw. Notice that. Eat not of it raw. Remember Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God's justice, his divine hatred for sin, the wrath of God fell upon Christ. He bore it because the fire speaks of God's judgment. But how many tonight preachers, professing clergymen, preach what we would really call a raw lamb? They don't believe in heaven and hell. They don't believe the Bible to be the word of God. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate and Lord of all, the only saviour of sinners. They talk about Jesus being a moral teacher, a great example to follow. They encourage thousands to live out the Christian life, but they reject him as a once and for all sacrifice for sin. They reject the fact that he suffered the wrath of God. As far as they're concerned, he's not a substitute. And you know the danger of raw meat? You eat raw meat in the physical body, it'll do you harm. It could even lead to your death. Well, you think in the spiritual realm, trying to eat a raw lamb, it, it's deadly. Not to be boiled in water. Did you notice that in verse 9? Not sodden at all with water. And how many preachers and clergy, if they don't preach a raw lamb, they water down the gospel. They, they strip it of its goodness. 
if you ever got boiled lamb and boiled it in hot water I think it would lose its appeal it would certainly lose its taste you add in tonight the notions of men and women speculations and theories of professors and scholars even in relation to Easter I remember reading about the Easter message of the Prime Minister in 2015, Prime Minister David Cameron. No mention of Christ, Calvary, cross, the blood, resurrection. This is what he said about Easter. It's an all-important event about change. Well, that's rubbish. Because the only change that we can think about Easter is because of the personal work of Christ. And the only change that comes about is because of the power of Christ's resurrection victory. So, so you can't bring about change and divorce it from Christ and Calvary and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. Instructions how to cook it. Now notice this as we finish. Instructions how to consume it. It says in verse 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eating with bitter herbs. That refers, of course, to the trials of life. We live in an age when many have a gospel and they say there's no tears and there's no trials, there's no problems and there's no pain. A pain-free, troubled life, they promise, if you trust Christ. Well, that's a lie. That's rubbish. Because the Bible says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly up. They were eat the lamb with bitter herbs. And you see this Passover lamb is linked to the Easter message. What's Easter all about? It's about Christ the lamb. And the lamb satisfying. Because the lamb's roasted with fire. We accept the wrath of God fell upon him. And we're thankful. And, and we, 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 we realize that, that to partake of the lamb. And, and, and have a life with the lamb. That there will be trials and troubles. Unleavened bread. Bread without leaven. Leaven in the Bible speaks about sin. Sin is dealt with and put away. And there's a hatred for sin. And there's a love for righteousness. You think of the fact that Calvary's lamb is a risen lamb tonight. He's a lamb that reigns. And glory to God, he's a lamb that remembers. And if we could fill our mind with that, he's the risen lamb. He's the reigning lamb. Worthy is the lamb tonight. And he's the lamb who remembers. He's thinking of us. And surely that will be encouragement and help to us as we think again of the celebration of Easter. The Easter story. It's all about the death and resurrection of the Passover lamb. Christ, our Passover, meaning the Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. Get your eyes on the fact that he's special tonight. The fact that he was separated from the bosom of the Father. Come into the world in the fullness of time. Incarnated in the womb of the Virgin. Lived a sinless life. Died an atoning death. Glory to God. Rose again bodily. From the dead. Risen for me. Reigning for me.
remembering me because it's the blood of a sovereign lamb. I look forward to the day when we fall at his feet and we see him as he is, a newly slain lamb. May the Lord take these few thoughts this evening and bless them to you. I trust they'll be helpful as we think of the celebration of the Easter time.